There we go. Um, I am going to shut the door just because my voice has a tendency to carry. And if there's a class next door or something across the street, don't, I don't want you to feel like I'm locking you in or out. If the door's unlocked. You can get in or out. If you need to use the restroom, please step out and, and do that. But if my voice starts carrying, I don't want to disrupt the class when there, if there happens to be one next door. Um, Astronomy 104. Right, everybody's in the right. Hopefully, I've got the syllabus up there. So hopefully, everybody's in the right spot. If you're looking for Calc 3, you're in the wrong room. So, or, or psych introduction to psychology, you're in the wrong room. Um, I'm going to spend today. I'm going to go over the syllabus and hopefully get started on the first uh, chapter. So I'll take some time. I did get everybody a syllabus. Tried to catch you all as you came in. Okay. Make sure I got you all one. Um, so what I have, he have is standard syllabus. You've seen probably a bunch of these if you've taken other classes here. Uh, first is my information. So my name, uh, my office, Robert Wagner, my office number um, is in the 150 bay. There you go. Um, if you're not familiar, that's not the bay right behind the Welcome Center. That's the one way down by the nursing section. The nursing and the science faculty are off there. So. If you need to find my office, that's over, that's over there. I did set office hours. Office hours are always fun to set because no matter what I set, it's not good for half the class. So typically, I have my office hours set for right before and right after the class, hoping that that works. But I know 7 AM is not fun for a lot of people. It doesn't bother me. I'm here at 6.30 normally. But I am here. And then right after class, 10.30 till noon, I'll be available in my office. I'm also here right before the class. If you saw, I was here, at about, I came in about 8 o'clock. I'm typically here between 8 and 8.15. So if you need a quick question, you just want to catch me before or after class for a quick question, if you can get here a few minutes early, you can usually get me then and don't have to bother with coming down to my office. And anyway, I'll be right here in the classroom 15, 20 minutes early before the start of the class. So if those don't work, I know you've got other classes, other commitments, you might not be able to get here before 8.30, that's perfectly fine. We'll work out some other arrangements if you do need to go ahead and, and see me. Uh, the other good way to, calc to contact me is not calling. I teach for virtual, uh, virtual learning mostly. This is the only on-campus class I have this semester. There you go. So. If you, if you call me, I mean, I'll be here on Mondays and Wednesdays for sure. I might not be here the other days of the week. So if you were to call and leave a message on my phone on Wednesday afternoon, it's possible I wouldn't see it till Monday morning. So if you need to get a hold of me, email. So my hack email's right there. That I check constantly. I teach online classes. I'm constantly, my, my email is my lifeline to my classes. So constantly on that, if you have a question or anything that you're working on something, you need to get a hold of me, email is much, much faster. So don't feel like you have to wait if you have a question on Thursday or something. You don't have to wait until you see me next Monday. Drop me an email. I'm checking them constantly. It does not bother me at all uh, to get emails. I'm, co I'm constantly working that way for my other classes. All right. Um, other thing is I do record my classes. So normally you'll see me here with an iPod and a microphone. I've left that, and I'm trying an experiment, just trying the voice memo recorder on my phone just to see how bad the quality is. Since I didn't bring that today, I normally record them. I put them up on iTunes free of charge. If you have to miss a class, you have a way to go ahead and see what was there. So I'll give you some more information about that later. But I do like to at least let you know. That's why my phone is in my pocket right now. It's turned upside down. I'm not video recording all of you or anything. Uh, but if, you're, if you ask a question, it's quite possible it may pick, pick you up. 
So just like to let you know and make sure you're aware of that, and that's why I'm running around with the phone in my pocket. Normally, I'd leave it sitting down. So that's our information there. Uh, course information, I'm not going to go through in great detail this. This is the catalog description. Uh, the only thing I'll note is that we did make a change to that last year. And on your copy of the syllabus, it has the solar system unit crossed out because we don't cover the solar system in this class anymore. We found that there's so much in stars and galaxies that it's, while the solar system is fascinating, we just don't have the time to take a week to go through, to rush through the solar system uh, when we have so many other things to cover in this class. So in this one, I will not cover the solar system, at least not planning on it. If we have time at the end, I may do a quick lecture, talk about the planets, go through a real quick, quick lecture at the end. It's possible that I will, but it's not planned in there. It won't be anywhere in there in the, that we'll be covering specifically for the course. Uh, let's see what we got here. Let me scroll up a little bit. So that's the standard information there. We've got our class meeting times. Everybody's here, so uh, 8.30 to 10.10. I'm pretty big on starting on time, but I'm also really big on getting out on time. I'm not one that, oh, it's just going to take me five more minutes. I know people have to go to another class or work, so I'm pretty much good at getting you out uh, by 10.10. So you should be pretty good, uh, pretty good on that. Uh, delayed opening, in case we get a snow day later in the semester. Uh, because of the way our class is scheduled, we actually meet then from 10 to 11.20 on the delayed schedule. So. We only lose a little bit of time in a, delayed, in a delayed opening because of the way our class happens to be, to be scheduled. Uh, if you're not subscribed, go on to the E2 campus. They'll send you alerts that if hack is on a delay or a closing, it'll send you the information right to your phone so you have that. So if you're not subscribed or you've gotten the notification that they're turning it off because they redo, the, redo it every couple of years to pull off people so that you're not getting, you know, graduate, go away, and 10 years later you're still getting notifications that, you know, heck is on a delay today. You don't care, right? <laughs> so they will turn you off, so make sure that you're, you're getting those. All right, meeting location, we're all here, so I think we're, we're good. Um, textbook is um, astronomy, OpenStax. Um, I put in there it's semi-optional. I am using it, so I do give you required readings out of it. If you want a hard copy, they're available at the bookstore. It's also available online. So if you're happy reading things online and comfortable with that, I'm going to switch to this. You can go to their website. Just Google OpenStax Astronomy and it'll come up uh, with this link. Uh, table of contents. You can read it online. You can download a PDF to your computer. Don't print it out. It's 1,000 plus pages, so it'll cost you more to print it out than it will to go buy a 50-some dollar copy at the bookstore. But you can download it right to your computer and read it from there if you want an iBook or a Kindle book. Kindle, I believe, is free. iBook is like seven bucks. So a lot better than the almost $200 book we used to use. So if you want a hard copy, some people like the physical copy. That's great. You can get one. The bookstore does stock copies for us, but you don't need to. You can also get one for, you can simply read it for free, click view online, and it will allow you to read the book as it opens up there. You know, and you can go from chapter to chapter. So there's chapter one of the textbook. Everything is in there. The good thing is this is constantly updated, so they'll make updates. Okay. Let's try that again. New system, right? 
All right, there we go. Now we're back. So if there's updates or corrections, they will do, they can make, you know, typos and things can be corrected right away. Um, any other adjustments are made uh, a couple times a year, they can make adjustments. So it's kind of nice. It's, it's actually an online textbook, but you can access a physical copy because some people, I like to have a physical copy and page through if I'm looking for something. Sometimes that's quicker for me to get to the right section than it is to search through the textbook. So just to let you know, if you've got a copy, you can certainly use a hard copy. If you don't, you do not need to go purchase anything. Uh, you can get that uh, free using the the link here, and again, it's just OpenStax Astronomy. If you just want to Google that, uh, you can get the textbook there. All right, uh, we're on this one. So, so that's our textbook. There is, um, in terms of online component, there is nothing required, nothing technically required. I do give you some quizzes that are online that you have to take through D2L if you want to take them but they're optional, they're extra credit. So technically you don't have to take them, they're not gonna hurt your grade, it's not gonna hurt you if you don't do them because they're only extra credit. They're good to review because they're similar to exam questions, but if you choose not to, if you're not, if you're, uh, not using D2L, you're not required uh, to do those. I do also give you the option for online submission of some assignments. So you can submit them online through D2L, but again, you can also turn me in a paper copy on the due date. So I say nothing is required, but there are some optional things that you can do there. I also make things like the lecture slides are available up on D2L. So if you want to print out copies of the lecture slides, I'm giving you copies when we get to chapter one. I don't do it for each one because Hack frowns on me printing out you know, copies each time. But if you want a copy or if you want to follow along, if you've got a laptop and you want to follow along, they're there online for you. So all of my lecture slides are available. Uh, to you as we go through class. So there's nothing required to do online. You don't have to. I've had students go through without even ever accessing D2L. There's nothing you absolutely have to do there, but there are some very useful resources that you can use there. Um, learning outcomes. Uh, those are the standard ones. That's what we're basically what we're going to go through and what you're expected to know by the end of the class. And then our tentative course schedule. I'm guessing we'll probably start off a little bit behind because we lose a day next week, right? With Labor Day, not Memorial Day. We're not going back to the start of summer. Uh, we're at the end of summer now. So Labor Day, we're going to lose a day. So we may fall a little bit behind these first two, this first week or two. Um, so dates on there are very tentative for some of the things. So like exams, if we're not through the first four chapters, then the exam will probably be the following week. I'll give you exact dates. You, I'm not going to be surprised you and say on Monday, exam's going to be Wednesday. You'll know well, in You'll know well a week in advance before uh, the, when the exam is going to be. I just kind of want to see, what do I get through this week? Am I already into Chapter 2 this week and then getting closer next week, or am I behind? So tentative dates, but I'll give you exact dates, and I'll have those up on the board here as you come in uh, for future classes. So... Coming in Wednesday, I'll give you at least a guide as to when I expect first exam to be, this first assignments to be, to be coming up due. So it's a guide. The order is correct. That is, the order will go through everything. Just I don't guarantee that when we come to the 23rd, you know, we might be finishing this or we might be slightly ahead and starting on the sun. All depends on how everything goes and, you know, 
any snow days. We shouldn't have snow days in September, but you never know. There could be other reasons for cancellations or things that had happened. So order is correct. That is how we will be going through things. And it's also broken down into units. So I don't, break, I don't use the chapters in the textbook so much as I break things into units. So chapter one is its own unit all by itself. Chapters two and three are one unit of the course, and chapter four is one. So a unit can be one chapter, two. In one case, it's actually three, cha three shorter chapters. And that's what I, what I mean for that is when it comes to the exams, the exam is on chapters one through four, but chapter one is weighted one-third. Chapters two and three together are one-third, and chapter four is one-third. So I don't want you overly studying you know, oh, chapters two and three are super important. I have to concentrate on those. If I give you 10 questions on chapter one, you'll get five each on two and three and then 10 on four. So that's why I give it to you this way as, as the units are broken down. It doesn't mean the chapters are less important. Sometimes they just tie in well together. And sometimes they kind of stand alone, like a bunch of the first ones do stand alone. You'll see that there's a lot of doubled up chapters coming up later on. Assignments, I've given you some of them here. As I said, the exams are tentative. Uh, the homeworks are tied in with the exams because they cover the same chapters. So they're also going to change. Other things that I'll go over these other assignments, solar observations, article reviews, those are pretty well set. Those don't depend on exactly where we are in the class. So I don't need to have covered gravity and the earth, moon, and sky information to be able to do that. So some of them are pretty well set and will stay the same. So that's a good guide, good calendar to keep, uh, keep track on. Uh, let's see what else we need. Attendance. Um, I do, well, I'll go, let me see. Do I? I have to remember how I, yeah, I do have it all down there. I'm used to going through my online syllabus, which is slightly different structured than this. So attendance, you know, I, I expect you, hope that you'll be here every day. I know that emergencies come up. Um, so I will, I do take attendance each day. Um, go ahead and do that right now. And so I don't butcher everybody's name. I just have a sign-in sheet that I have you do each day. And that gets you credit for being here. And I do give a few points for each day's credit for being here. So you get a few points just for having been here and showing up. Now, if you show up, as I learn everybody's name, if you come in, sign the sheet, and then leave, I'm not going to give you credit. So you can't just come in, sign the sheet, and take off. You've got to actually stay here for the class. But if you can just pass that, weave that around the classroom, that would be great. But I do give you a few points. And in this class, I'm going to scroll down just so I give you the right amount. It's five points for class, per class. So five points just for showing up out of 1,000 for the class. It adds up to a decent amount over the course of the semester. So you're recommended to be. It helps because hearing my lectures are better than just reading the textbook. You'll see what I'm focused on, which is what I'm more likely to ask you on the test. I mean, I can't cover you on everything on the, text, on the textbook. So you do much better. I find that students who miss a lot don't do near, will not do near as well in the class. Um, I, do I do grade the attendance. I know you need to miss class, right? You're sick, you got a stomach virus, nobody else wants you here. So I drop four attendance grades. So you can miss four days and it's not going to affect your grade at all. I'll drop those four. So if you're really sick and you don't want to be here and you don't need to be here and nobody else wants you here, then you know, miss, that, miss that day. Um, if you're not sure on anything, send me an email. Let me know. I can let you know of any assignments coming up or remind you of anything that's coming up. 
but I do try to tie that in. I don't want you to be penalized if you're sick and can't make it. So four days usually works out really well over the course of the semester. You know, unless you've got a major issue, a uh, major medical issue that's keeping you out, that's going to be more than most students will actually miss. Uh, w grades. I, I essentially don't do Ws. Ws are up to you if you choose to withdraw. doesn't mean I don't, I don't allow Ws. It just means if you want a W, you withdraw from the class. If you just don't show up ha starting halfway through the course, you'll end up getting an F. I don't, I don't withdraw you myself with the W. You need to go into my hack, go over to the Welcome Center and do the W uh, to get the W grade. And you have to do that. There's a specific deadline. Um, I give you the link there. You can get that on the hack website as to the exact dates by which you have to withdraw. Uh, there are certain days you have to get out if you want to get a refund of tuition or a partial refund of tuition. There's a specific date after which you can't get a W. W grade. All right, um, academic dishonesty or academic honesty. Um, do your own work, essentially, is what I mean. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't work together. If you've got a friend in the class and you want to sit there and work through the homework together, that's great. That doesn't mean one person does questions one through five and one person does questions five through ten and then you just copy everything. That would be incorrect. You would not, neither of you would get credit for that. But if you want to discuss the questions with someone, that's great. And then each write up your own answer. There'll be some similarities, yes, if you've worked together, but they're not going to be cut and paste word for word identical. And the same thing, if you're using an internet source, give me a reference to it. I don't have a problem if you're using it. Watch what sources you're using, obviously. If you're going to a NASA site, you're probably pretty good. Um, astronomy, oops, sorry. Astronomy-wise, um, other ones can be hit and miss depending on what you get. But if you're going to reference something from the textbook, just let me know. That's perfectly fine as well. So that's kind of the biggest things that I mean, the biggest thing that usually comes up in any of the uh, assignments. And feel free, if you've got questions, I'll keep going. So if you've got questions, feel free to yell out, interrupt me, raise a hand, however you prefer. Uh, makeup work. I will give you assignment deadlines. I've given you some in there. When I put the official ones up on the board, those are the ones that matter. So the tentative ones in the syllabus are a guideline, but the ones that matter, I'll be having them up on the board here. Um, I do accept late assignments because things come up, right? You get sick, you can't get it done. Um, you know, you're something, something else happens. Or maybe you've got like a big project due in another class and something has to give. You know, if you're working full time and taking classes, taking several classes, some, sometimes it just gets overwhelming. So the biggest thing I do is that for the first two days, 48 hours after the assignment was due, it's a 10% deduction. Yeah, hurts a little bit, but it's not going to crush you. If it's a 30 point assignment, you lose three points. Yeah, not fun, but it's not going, to, not going to hurt. So if something comes up, some emergency that you just can't get the assignment in, don't wait. Get it to me as soon as you can afterwards, and it's a minor deduction. It starts to get larger and larger. As you get past four days, it's almost not worth it. It's up to you. You can still turn an assignment in, you know, four, five, five six days late, but you lose half the credit to start off with, and you're doing a lot of work for very little credit in that case. So, again, it's up to you, depending on what, what's going on, but just generally, I've broken them down by hours, but essentially by days. So if the assignment is due at a certain time, 48 hours later, two full days later, up to that, it's 10%, and beyond that, it starts to rise. 
After a week, I don't take them. It's just too much. I don't want to go back to, I'm not going back in November and grading something that was due the beginning of September. So if you want to turn it in and you want comments on it, I'll be happy to look at it and give you comments, but I can't give you any credit for it at that point. Um, the only change for that is the end of the semester. So if we come up with an assignment that's due, depending on when our final happens to be scheduled, there's always the possibility that I can't give you a full week afterwards because I have grading deadlines and things that have to get turned in. So I'll watch it at the end of the semester. I can't promise that this will work depending on when our final happens to be, happens to be scheduled. Essentially what I say is make sure everything's in by the final. So if you're turning anything in late that was due before, make sure you've got it in by then so I, at least I can get you some credit and get uh, grading in there. All right, in terms of assignments, here we break everything down. Um, I tend, I try to grade quickly. I try to have everything back quickly. Typically, within a week. I don't like you waiting. I don't want you working on the second assignment of, of one type, say a homework assignment, without having gotten feedback on the first one because you're sitting out, well, how did I do? And I've known professors who will sit there and give you everything back in November but doesn't help you a lot if you're trying to do the second or third of a type of assignment. So normally I'm back within a week. I can't promise. Emergencies come up for me just as they could for you, and I might get delayed a little bit. But typically I will have everything back within one week for you. Um, I'm specifically picky on exams. Exams would normally be back the next class day. So I really try to have those back for you. In terms of breaking it down, I have the class divided into 1,000 points that are available over the semester. And I break them down this way. There's exams at 150. The final is 100. Kind of nice. I, I like that because the final doesn't kill you. It can hurt. But it's not like final exam is 35% of your grade and you don't know if you're passing or not until you take the final. So 10% of your grade. It, it makes a difference, but it, does, but it doesn't uh, kill you. Big thing is lab work. Uh, lab assignments will all be done in, in class, for the, except with the exception of the solar project which you have to do a little bit outside. Um, but lab work is a big chunk. In fact, if you add in lab work and solar observations, that's 40% of your, that's 40 of the grades. That's where the points are. So if you do poorly on exams, and I have some people who have done poorly on my exams in the past, you can still do reasonably well in the class because there's other assignments to do. So lab work is big. That's going to be an important one, and I'll go over some of that coming up. Attendance. 130 points, so just for being here. So if you're not here, every time you miss past those four days, it starts dinging you off that. So try to be here as much as you can. Homework assignments, articles, break down the rest of it, a couple other little things that I'll have you, that I'll have you do. Um, in terms of grading, it's pretty much a straight scale, 90, 80, 70, 60. So because I have it broken down into 1,000 points, that means you know, 900 points is an A, 800, 700, 600, et cetera, for A, B, C, and D. Works out very well uh, in general for most of my classes. Um, one of the things I don't do, and I'll discuss some of these a little bit more, is I don't round anything at the end. I know I'm so cruel, right? So I mean, if you end up with 89.9, it's a B. And I know that sounds mean, but look at what else I'm doing, and I think you'll see why I don't do that. I drop assignments. So there's four exams. I'm dropping your lowest one. There's five homework assignments. I drop your lowest one. I drop your lowest lab or two. I, I drop a lot of assignments. So if you bomb one assignment, it's going to go away at the end of the semester. 
you're absent and you miss one assignment, it's going to go away at the end of the semester. So, I mean, technically you can miss a lab, you can be sick on a, an exam day, and that exam grade will go away for you. Um, I also offer you some small amounts of extra credit. I already mentioned that there's quizzes up on D2L that you can take um, that will get you a small amount. I think it ends up being about 13 or 14 points. It's not a lot. It's one point per quiz, up to, depending on how well you did on your first attempt on it. But it's a few, you know, if you, even if you get half credit on them, it's six or seven points. That can make the difference if you're right on the edge. I'll give you a couple of other extra credit opportunities scattered over the course of the semester. Not a lot, but enough that... In essence, between the extra credit I give you and dropping assignments, I'm probably already rounding you up like 4 or 5%. So if you got that 89.9, you were really closer to 84.9. So you were really in a B range anyway. You just didn't quite get up there. So I don't round things at the end, but I give you opportunities so that, that, that if you got close, you, know, you, really weren't quite there. you really weren't quite there. All right, so no questions yet? Scaring you all away. Don't, don't go right out and drop right after, right? All right. So let me go over the different types of assignments that we have. We've already talked about the attempts. Well, let me do my extra credit one first. Give you extra credit to start off with. That'll encourage you, right? And I apologize. This is one I'm in the middle of reworking, and you've got the old version or old middle version where it's kind of doing everything. Um, I'm reworking this for some of my things. As I said, I do record these, and I make the podcasts available through iTunes. So you can record, get the class lectures. I also have a YouTube channel with the lecture videos. So I have you subscribe to either one of those, either the class schedules, which are listed in there for Astronomy 104, or the YouTube channel listed up at the top there. You, that's just a, that's a lot easier to subscribe to. And I have you go click on that. I will give you, I, I don't get any money out of YouTube. I'm not, I'm, it's a very much a free channel, so I'm not, make, I'm not making any money out of you or anything by clicking on it or having you subscribe or do anything else. I'm very specific that all of my videos up there are completely free, so I'm not getting anything else out of them. But you can access the lecture videos. Another good thing, you miss a class, guess what? You can go play roughly what I would have said. So if you have to miss a class, if you're sick, you can go back and do that. So you have your choice. If you wanted to subscribe to the YouTube, YouTube channel, that's great. If you want to use the iTunes, uh, the lectures, the actual lectures for this class will only be available through iTunes. I don't put those back up through YouTube as well. Uh, but I do have some things there. But you can subscribe to either one for credit. And then there's three things to do. One is doing the subscription. Because I can't tell who's subscribed, depending on your YouTube, sometimes it'll tell me so-and-so subscribed. Sometimes if your settings say don't tell, then it won't tell me. Um, I ask you to send me an email from your Hawkmail account that just says, I subscribed. I believe you. I'm trusting you that you did it. I have no way to go, really go and check it unless your settings told me that so-and-so subscribed. So I trust you. But it, it makes sure, Hack always wants us to make sure your Hawkmail accounts are active. So send me a quick email from your Hawkmail account that says it's active. I send you back a uh, photo file and that I have you put up on D2L in the Dropbox there. If you're not comfortable with D2L, print it out or something and bring it to me and I'll give you the same credit. If you're comfortable with D2L, I can show you that shortly. Um, you can just upload the file up there and I'll give you 15 points, five points for each of those things. So if you think about that, that's one and a half percent in your final grade. So I recommend doing it 
but you got to do it now. It's going to have a due date of probably next Wednesday when we come back. So you got to do it now. You can't just say, oh, I need that point and a half in December. Let me subscribe now. It's too late. So I do recommend that you do it. Get in there, get the 15 points. If you really don't like the channel and you're not going to use it, you can subscribe. Send me the email and unsubscribe. Not, gonna, not going to complain. I'm not going to require. I put the, it up there as an opportunity for you to use. I'm not requiring you to use it. So it is a good chance for 15 points right there off the bat and gives you a good start. All right, so let me go through and the assignments that we have that I break that down. I give you a little bit more detail on each of them here. So exams are 150 points. There's four 50-point exams, but I drop one. So I'll drop your lowest one. If you end up missing one for whatever reason, that's fine. Um, you can just get that, you can get that one dropped. If you just do poorly on one, you can get that dropped. Takes a little bit of the stress away. If you do poorly on the first exam, you have a chance to recover. If you do great on the first three exams, last one's no pressure, right? Because it's, if it's my worst grade, it's going to get dropped anyway. So kind of helps a little bit there. Um, I normally do, I've got a different variety of questions. Normally I do multiple choice as a part of it, and then essay questions. My essays are not English essays, so it's not like introduction, paragraph, body paragraph. I mean, it's short answers, few sentences. I may ask you to draw a diagram of something. Um, I may ask you to you know, write, write a couple sentences about some, some topic that we've covered. So short answers, they can normally be answered in four or five sentences, not, not full essays. I call them essays, but you know, an English professor would be laughing at my essays because they're not essays. They're more short answer, but I think of short answer as being like a word or a phrase. So that's what I look like I look at on those. Uh, exam days will be uh, mixed with lab days, so you will have a lab after them, mainly because we just don't have the time that I can say you take the whole exam. My exams are generally timed for about an hour, so you get about the first hour's worth of class, first half of class for the exam, and then once you're done with it, you'd have a lab that I'll give you to work on, and once you're done with that, you're done. So if you're a fast exam taker and you finish the lab quickly, you may get out early those days. I'm not going to hold you till 10:10. If you're done quickly, you can get out. You might be able to get out earlier those days. If you're a slower exam taker, you've got the full time to be able to use that for the uh, for the exam and then still have the lab to work on after. And looking at the schedule, we're fortunate if you do need to stick around a few extra minutes. I won't hold you, but if you do need to stick around a few extra minutes, there's nobody coming in here till like 11 o'clock. So if you need five, ten minutes afterwards, we can certainly work that out. So that's the exams. Uh, final exam is 100 points. Same type and structure. I do do a cumulative exam. Semi-cumulative? Semi it does cover the whole semester, but I focus it on what I gave you on the first four exams. In other words, I take the questions off the first four exams. So you've seen all the questions before, except for the last bit of material, whatever we cover at the very end. So there's a little bit of new material that will be fresh, but most of it you'll have seen those questions before. So can't bring your old exams to you, but you, you know for the cumulativeness, you study four exams and new material. A lot better than studying you know, everything. I might ask about something that I never asked you about before. You won't see that. The questions will come right from, word for word, from the previous, from the first exams. 
All right, uh, labs. We've got one, we've got 14 weeks, one lab each week. And I dropped two lab grades. Part of that, again, is to let you, if you've got to miss a day, I can't drop four like I drop attendances, but uh, if you have to miss a day and you miss a lab, you'll get a zero on it. If you look at your grades on D2L, it'll hurt them till we get to the end of the semester. I don't drop anything till the end of the semester. Why? Well, I'd rather underestimate your grade than overestimate it. So I'd rather like you look at, oh goodness, I'm barely getting a C in the course, and then find out things drop and you're up to a B range. So I'd rather underestimate your grade and feel like you've got to push and work than overestimate it, inflate it, and say, oh, I'm doing okay, I can relax. So I'd rather have you keep up on it. So yes, if you miss something early, if you miss exam one in the first couple labs, it's gonna, your grade's going to look bad on D2L. But they will go away once we take exam four and once we do the last labs. So you will be fine in the end. Um, that will be done in here. Um, if you're going to miss a class and you know in advance, I can make arrangements for you to have a copy of the lab. If you just miss it, I mean, if you come out afterwards, then you can take it as one of the two drops. So if you know in advance you're traveling or something, you know you're going to be gone on a certain lab day, normally Wednesdays, unless things change. I'm trying to do it on Wednesdays to be consistent. Plus, that way I don't have to give you a lab today. Uh, will typically be the lab day. And if you know you're going to be gone one of them, we, I can make arrangements if I know in advance. I can get you a copy of the lab and make out arrangements for you to get that to me by the lab day. If you're just missing it, then you've got two of them that you can drop. Um, attendance. We've already done. So everybody's got five out of five already. Everybody's got 100%. Yay! What a way to start. So everybody's got a perfect score here uh, to go with. I do take attendance daily. I don't normally pass around the attendance sheet. Normally, I'll just leave it sitting up on the podium there. Sign as you come in. For this week and next week and the following week, I'll probably be reminding you, did you sign in? Did you sign in? Just, then it gets eventually, by the time you're into October, it's just the habit to come in and sign and make sure you sign in. Uh, please sign in only yourself. Don't sign in a friend who's in the class. Unless they're here. If you're walking in together, that's fine. If they're down the hall, don't sign them in. Let them sign in when they come in. Because I do attendance on two things. You've got to be here and you have to sign in. So I don't mind if one person signs in two people walking in together, but I don't want you to sign in. Oh, my friend's on their way. They texted me. They're on their way. You know, accidents happen. Things they might not actually end up being here. They might get delayed for whatever reason. Right? We know what traffic is like on 30 from time to time, where it becomes a standstill. They might not make it here on time. So don't sign in somebody, in somebody, somebody else unless they're right there with you. Um, but that, I do that. I do, uh, once I close the door when we start class. I do mark you late, so you lose a little bit of credit if you're late. I don't do that for the first two weeks either. I give you time to get used to getting here and finding the classroom. I know that, um, well, not just York, but every Hack campus has really interesting numbering systems for the classroom, so it can take a while to find. If you're not used to finding where it is, it can take you a little while to find that. So I will start marking you late uh, after a couple of weeks, but I won't do that right, right away. Scaring everybody yet? Okay. All right. Well, homework assignments is next, it looks like. Homeworks, I do five homeworks, one for each exam. So one for exam one, two, three, four, and then one that ties into the new material on the final. So there's five of them. I do drop one. So 
If you're working hard all semester, you get one, two, three, and four done, you're happy with your grades, you can actually skip the fifth one altogether. Don't have to bother with it. If you missed one during the semester because, you know, life, life got involved and I, I couldn't do it, do it this one, then you have the option of doing the fifth one to make it up. Uh, these each have 15 questions, five questions from each unit. I do recommend that you don't wait until right before. So if I tell you it's due in three weeks, and I'll give you more due dates coming up, but uh, next time, oops, there we go. I recommend that you don't wait till the very end. I know how good we are at procrastinating. You know, I've been known to do it myself from time to time, but it's a lot of work. To, oops, did I, I, can't, I can't count. I can't count. You'd think I could count to one, but you know, hey. Um, oops, there we go. You're better off if you look at them. The first five all relate to chapter one. So once we're done with chapter one, which we will be done with chapter one this week, we'll probably be into chapter two. Um, you, know, you can start looking at those. doesn't mean you have to write up all the answers, but maybe look at them, sketch out an answer as to what you want to do for them. Maybe have some ideas while it's fresh in your mind. You know, if you have time between classes or something, you, know, you can try to sketch out you know, what I want to answer for, for some of these. I also look at them early because if you have questions, some of them do involve calculations. There's some math in this class, not a lot. Some people will tell me it's a lot. Some people will say it's no math. It really it's, you know, it depends on your perspective, but there are some that involve calculations. I will specify that's limited to homework and labs where I can help you. I do not put any calculation, any significant cal I can't say I won't ask you to double a number or have a number on an exam, but anything that involves calculations like these, you will not see on exams. So there are a few, not all of them. It's like first one just asks you to talk about some distances you've traveled. Now that's, no, no, no calculations involved at all there. Uh, some of them do ask you to do calculations. If you look at them and you're not sure, feel free to come in. I'll be more than happy to go over, discuss it, get you started on it before class, after class. During class, if you, well, not in the middle of class preferably, but if you want to ask a question at the beginning of class for everybody, I'll be more than happy to go over and get you started on anything there. So you will see some math from time to time on the homework, on the labs. I try to do it that way so that I'm here to help because I know the math levels in this class vary from you know, way up here to way down there. I know I've had people who are you know, majoring in sciences and are already taking calculus and taking my class. Well. The math for them, they're going to think there's no math in this class. I know people who are taking you know, the basic math and just trying to get started through the math track for their majors. That's fine. I'll be more than happy to sit down with you and help, it, help you. So if you need help going over any of it, I will. But I did want to give you that thing. Exams, you will not see it. So I don't want to put the stress on an exam. Oh, I'm going to have to do a big calculation for the exam. You won't. Doesn't mean there won't be a number that I might ask you to double something. You know, if this were double, what would have? That kind of thing, yes, I might ask you to do. But I won't give you any kind of calculations like them. But if you look at them and you're not sure, think about it. Come in, ask me a question. I'll be more than happy to guide you, get you started on that. But I would recommend, again, if you wait till, let's just say it's due on the 11th. I have no clue yet of September, which would be a Wednesday. If you wait till the night of the 10th, you're going to be struggling. It's a lot to get through in one night. It's not meant to be an assignment that's, due in, that's done in one evening. So I just want to give you a fair warning on that. I'm more than happy to help you on anything of those. I do drop one, but you know, try not to skip the first one. You don't want the first one to be your one that's dropped. You want to get through the first one, get some points, and then go from there. The homework questions, other than the math, are the type that you would see for an essay. 
that's the, this is the kind of thing, as you look through these, these are the kind of things that you might see as an essay on the exam. Again, ignoring the math ones, the ones that actually ask you to calculate things. But there's one, number seven, asks you how the definition of a constellation has changed over time. Well, you probably don't know yet, but we will talk about that coming up in chapter two. So at that point, you know, you could, an you could answer that in a couple of sentences. You should be able to answer that in a couple of sentences. Those are the kind of things that I would put on the exams as an essay. It should be a couple sentence answer. All right, so that's your first homework. Again, it's not due next time. It won't be due until we've covered when I'm sure what we're going to cover through chapter four, because this covers chapters one through four. So likely the 11th would be about the early, uh, 11th would be, 9th or 11th would be the earliest it would be possibly due probably the following week. But I'll give you dates coming up uh, when we come back next time. All right. No questions yet. All righty. All right, next assignment, not due for a while. Actually, this is due, this is the article review. The first one is due uh, the week of the 23rd. So you've got about a month on this one. So it's a good thing I recommend. Doesn't always work. People don't always take my advice, but I recommend looking at it now, maybe picking out your article. I have some articles that I'll put up there on D2L for you, and I'll show you how to access those. Um, one this time, yes. Two. Um, the idea of this is that astronomy is a constantly changing subject. What I was teaching here nine years ago has changed. And if you took this class nine years ago and you take the class now, some of it's the same. Some things haven't changed. How the phases of the moon work, that hasn't changed. Our Apollo landings on the moon. Well, we haven't really changed a whole lot about our knowledge in you know, 50 years. But other things have changed drastically. There's topics like we'll talk about gravitational waves, something Einstein predicted a century ago that were only discovered a couple years ago. When I taught this class in 2010, okay, you guys don't do planets, so we don't really get to talk about Pluto, but we knew nothing about Pluto. We had these big blurry images from Hubble Space Telescope. Now we've flown by it in 2015, and we have all sorts of detailed images. So Pluto, which used to take me you know, 10 or 15, 10, 10 minutes to cover because there was not much to say, now I can spend an hour easily talking about Pluto. I can spend more time talking about things like gravitational waves. There are lots of new discoveries. So the idea of this one is to read an article. And it's not, not a professional article. I don't get you into those. Get a little... Uh, little tough to follow at times, uh, but this is, I use the ones I'm going to link you to, uh, and I'll show you this on D2L next time. I'll put them all up there. I'll have them all available, uh, but they're all from Sky and Telescope. It's a popular magazine for amateur astronomers, but the, the, re the level is reasonable for a class like this. So you could look at some of them. There are some that cover the planets. There are some that cover stars. There are some that cover galaxies you're not restricted to what we're covering in this class. So if you want to learn something about Venus and there's a cool article about Venus, you can use that one. You're not restricted to just doing stars and things here that we're covering in the lectures. If you want to do something that ties into the lectures, that's great too. When we get to black holes, if there's a nice article about black holes, you can use that. I will give you that list of articles. You're not constrained by that. If you've gone to astronomy or anything, astronomy magazine or any others, Popular Science has some. Discover sometimes will do some nice astronomy articles. You're welcome to use those as well. I do ask you, recommend that you at least 
show me the article first, send me a link, make sure it's a good full magazine article. Typically the ones I'll link you to are about six to seven pages, which in an astronomy article with half of it being pictures, it's much less in terms of text. But if you send me a link or if you bring a copy of it in class, I can tell you, hey, that's a good one or that's not one that you want to do. It's not going to work for this project. Um, so what I ask you to do, and I break it down here by points as to what you're going to be, what I'm looking for. Um, what is your source? Your source can be as simple. I'm, I'm not in English class, and I also, in addition to not having significant math requirements, I don't have English requirements for the class. So as long as you give me the reference, give me a link, tell me it was the article on D2L with this title by this author, that's fine. I know that your you know, English professors will tell you know, you need, what, MLA or APA format. I don't do that because I don't have the time to teach it, and I don't know how, what the levels are of everybody knowing that. Yeah, if you've gone through English 101, you've had, you've had all of it. Probably a lot of other courses that have that. Mine doesn't, this class doesn't have that requirement, so I do get people who are taking English 001. And it's, I don't really want to have to get stuck in, bogged down in teaching the specific details of that. So as long as you give me a reference, you're fine. Do give me the reference, of course. So that's part of the points. Uh, then I ask you to break it down. Tell me something about the article. Why did you pick this one? Hopefully something a little more than it had pretty pictures. Right? You know, what about the title? Well, maybe it was tying into um, black holes and we were talking about black. We were going to be talking about black holes. So you want to do something that tied into the course. Maybe it was something you'd seen at some kind of show before or some kind of planetarium show that just interested you, something from your, uh, your past that interested you. So take a couple sentences there and tell me why you picked out this specific article. Number three, fun one, right? Summarize the article. Just a paragraph or two. I'll, I'll get the variety on these. I'll get someone who will try to summarize it in a sentence. Hard to summarize seven or eight pages in a sentence. Um, I'll get some people who will write me five pages on the summary. I don't need that much detail, just a page, just a paragraph or two so that I can get a basic idea of what, was, what the article is about. So someone who had not read the article could at least have a, have a rough idea of what it was. Then the less fun part. Then you've got to tell me what you thought of it. What did you like? How did they present it? Did you like how they presented it? I'm not asking for scientific analysis. I'm not asking you to critique their science because that's beyond... You know, what your level would be for being able to critique an article in a magazine like that. But what did you think about it? How did they present it well? Were they confusing? You know, for someone at an introductory astronomy level, was it too confusing for you? You know, and why? Give me some details. Don't just say it was a very confusing article done. Give me some examples. Well, they explained this, and I couldn't, I didn't really understand anything, you know. I'm obviously not writing it for you, but I'm giving you some ideas of the kind of thing that I'm looking, looking for in those. So tell me what's your thought. It can be one to two paragraphs. If you look at the points, it's worth as much as your summary. So if you're going to write you know, two or three paragraphs on the summary and give me two sentences on the analysis, there's something out of whack there, they should be vaguely the same. If you're going to write two paragraphs on one, I expect you know, a paragraph and a half, two paragraphs on the other. So they should be very similar in, in length. But what were the good points? What were the bad points? Again, you don't have to critique that you don't think their scientific methods were right. If you don't, that's perfectly... If you don't, you're welcome to do that, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what you thought of the article. And finally, I ask you to come up with three questions. Questions for the author, you know, or questions, just random questions about that relate to the article. So, 
things that maybe something you didn't understand, something you would have liked expanded upon. You know, what would happen if this, if, if they had explored it like this instead of, you know, what would happen if they explored it in the springtime on Mars instead of the summer, instead of the wintertime on Mars? How would things have been different? Those kind of things. And then just a little discussion of those. Again, that's another 10 points. So that's your big points are right there. Um, did I do this one? I'm trying to make sure, yes. Uh, for the last part, six and seven kind of tie together. Um, paragraph form, so don't just number things. Like you do a homework, you can write number one, number two, number three. For this, I'm not looking for number one introduction. Just write it as a, as a short essay. And a header. All I mean for a header is uh, reason, colon. There's my reason in the text. Summary, colon, or summary sent. I mean, however you like to do it. I'm not fixed on a form. It makes it so much easier for me to grade because, again, I get a variety of English levels in the class, too. So I get people who can write me beautiful essays, nicely formatted, easy to follow. I get people who will run things into one gigantic paragraph. And I'm sitting there trying, where do they want their analysis to end and their quest? And it, I'm trying to find the borders. It takes a lot more time when grading, and I want to get things back to you. So if you just tell me, introduction here, or you know, analysis, questions, etc. It breaks it down. It makes me a lot, like it a lot easier for me in terms of grading, of grading it. Um, the due dates are on the syllabus. So the first one, I'll give you the exact date for that week. I did on the back give you an example of the rubric that I use for grading. So if you want to look at how I'm grading those, you know, if you do great down it, you go straight down the left-hand side. I'm sure you've seen many rubrics before. And I break it down as to you know, where you uh, fall on that. And I'll use that. I'll use that as terms of grading grading the articles. There's three of them throughout the semester. I asked you to read three articles. If you do well on the first two, I recommend you do the first two because if you do well on the first two, you can skip the third one, which is due in November sometime. And I know that other classes start to have projects and everything coming due. And if you could just be done with that whole assignment, you know, if you did pretty well on the first two, say you got a 45 and a 48 out of 50, it's not really worth your time to write another one to gain a few points. So you have that option of just saying, oh, I can just skip that altogether and I can concentrate on other things that are coming due, whether for this class or others. All right. Questions on that? I will give you some more information on those, uh, on the articles coming up. If anybody wants it a lot earlier before next time, you can let me know. I can try to get you those, but I'll have everything for Wednesday for you. Quizzes. Who has not, anybody not used D2L at all? Everybody has used it to some extent? Okay. Let me just see how quickly I can get into it. Uh, get used to my computer where everything has settled. All right. So if you go in... On your student, there should be a link right to take you into D2L. And come on. Your classes will come up for fall, and you're taking astronomy, astronomy, astronomy. Well, yours will show all your different classes, right? They won't show a bunch of astronomy classes, which is what I'm teaching. But yours is actually the first one right here. For you guys, unless you're taking Astronomy 103 as well someplace, you would have this. And if you click on it, it'll take you right into the course. 
tells you what course it is. Uh, the lessons, I don't update the lessons in here. I usually forget about it after the first week. For my online courses, I change that each week because that's what they're depending on. I'll usually forget to get to, to yours. But then I have everything that you need linked into the content. So if you click on that content tab, and we don't need to jump to lesson seven, let's go back to lesson one. Essentially, I copied this all from my online courses. So there's your textbook readings. There's chapter one. So if you're not sure what we're doing in lesson one, lesson one, you click on that, it will actually take you right to OpenStax and open up chapter one for you. So your readings are all in there. If you have the textbook, you don't need to worry about them. There's nothing that requires you to use them. Um, let's go back. There are also the lecture slides. I'm giving you copies of these when we get started. So I will give you copies of these if you want them for future chapters. They're all there within each lesson. There are also video lectures. So if you miss a class and you want to watch what I talked about for that chapter, these are the three video lectures for chapter one. That'll just link you right to the YouTube there. You can go ahead and watch that video. It's the same slides. I don't guarantee the lectures exactly the same because lectures change from semester to semester. Sometimes something triggers me, someone has a question, or I go off on some other tangent that I might in class that I might not have covered in there. Or I may have talked about something in there that I do not talk about in class. But overall, they cover the same material for you. Then there's some review materials, which includes your review quiz. Right now I have the review quizzes uh, available through the end of the first exam, which is September 12th. Um, those you get to take, those are multiple choice. All you do is click on it and take it. Take it. The first time you take it, you get a tenth of a point for each question you get right for the 10 questions. So if you get a perfect score, you get one point. If you get a 50%, you get half a point. That's all extra credit, though. Can't hurt you. If you get one question right, you get a tenth of a point. Hey, that make, might make a difference at the end. Who knows? So I recommend that you use them. You can take them as many times as you want. The first one counts for the credit. So your first attempt, you know, be ready, get, get ready to take it. But if you want to go back and review them for the exam, you can go take them as many times as you want. And the, they're graded immediately. It'll give you the answers right away. Doesn't do any good to take it for somebody else. It's a random test bank of questions. So each time you take it, it's going to give you different questions. So if you want to take it 10 or 20 times, you can. I will warn you that these come from a full test bank that we made up. So there's going to be some things. There may be some mathematical ones in there. I don't remember how much. Um, don't worry about that for the exam. You still, they're count for the quiz. I can't take them out of the quiz without going through and editing each one. Some of them may be a little more detailed than I go through in class. The stuff that I focus on in class are the ones that are more likely to be asked. On, a, on an exam, I will tend to focus what I'm asking. So the quizzes are a little bit more random. They all do come straight from the textbook, though. So you have that there. You also have a couple of other links that you're welcome to use. The study mate is a set of reviews. It's based on the exams. If you actually go here, this is one that one of our adjuncts made up. You have flashcards. You have fill in the blanks. You have crossword puzzles matching. If you want to click on those, it'll go through and it'll ask questions about it. It's a chance to review. So if you want to play some games to review the material, you can do it. If you choose not to use it, it's up to you. I'm not logging who's used it or who hasn't used it. I really can't even tell. So if you want to do 
flashcards. It'll ask you something blank. The blank star to the sun is about 4.3 light years away. And if you flip it, then it will tell you the closest star. So it's just some things you can go through to kind of review some material. Some people find them useful. Some don't want to bother with it. Either way, it's completely up to you. But it is, I do like to let, it, let you know it's there. The other one that I wanted to give you, uh, let's go back to lecture one here, because I'm going to give you a copy of it, are the key points. These are my notes on the chapter. So essentially, my, essentially lecture notes in question form. I don't give you any answers to them, though. I mean, I probably answer them all over the course of the lectures, but I don't give you any specific answers. I remembered. <laughs> but these are essentially my summary of my lecture slides in question form. So I said we're not talking about planets. Well, in the first lecture, I will go through and talk a little bit about planets and that kind of, that kind of thing. I will go through a little bit of basics of them. So you'll see some of, the, some of that here. So some of the things that I, that I cover. Um, I've given you chapters one through four here. That's the material for the first exam. So chapters one, two, and three, and then chapter four. And what I do is you can take notes on them. You can write anything you want on them, and you can use this during the exam. If you're sure you're something you're going to forget, you can, write it in, you can write it in there. You can't add any papers to it, so don't staple ten more pages to it. But anything you want to write on these and use them during the exam, you can. You're not required to. I had one class a year or two years ago. I could not convince them to use them. I'd have even the day of the, even by the fourth exam, it's like I only had half the class using them. Take advantage. Maybe it'll remind, maybe it'll just jog your memory if something is, you know, not, not, not fitting right. You don't have to physically answer them all. That's not the intention. It's like you read the question, well, if I remember that, I don't need to even write anything down for it. If I'm not sure and you want to write a couple notes there to remind you, that's great. Write some notes on it, and you can bring, those for, bring that for the exam. So those are they're up there on uh, D2L as well for you, but I'm working as long as I can get them with the class this small. I should be able to print them out for you each time. Not going too crazy. I like the lecture slides where it goes crazy. These I can do a couple times and get you those printed out. So, but they're up there. If you ever lose a copy or you need to get them, there is a copy of them up on D2L for you. You just have to click on the key points. So there's a couple, ref a couple things that you can use, use there. The only thing that you'd have to use if you want to do the quizzes is the quizzes you do have to use the links on D2L to take them. And those are available now for the first chapter. I try to make them available as we cover each chapter. So you can take them right after the lectures if you want. You can wait and take them right before the exam, however you feel is going to be uh, best for you. I also put in there, I have to remember when is first, I think it's in this one. There's homework one. There's also, if you go into lesson three, which will not be available quite yet for you, but there's homework one again. It's there. So you lose the homework sheet sometime between now and the day before it's due when you're working on it the night before. It's, it'll be up there on D2L and available. So if you're searching for it, you can go find a copy of it to, to get it there. You can also click on here to submit. So if I tell you an assignment is due in class on Wednesday, for example, nothing's due next time at all. So I'll give you due dates after that. But if I tell you it's due Wednesday, it's due if you're turning me in a paper copy, I need it by class. If you're going to turn it on D2L, you have until 6 a.m. the following morning. So you get a little bit of extra time if you submit it on D2L. It's not required. If you're more comfortable turning me in a copy, just make sure it's 
done and ready at class time uh, that day. But you get the extra, you get the extra little bit of time if you need, need it to finish those up, if you want that, if you're going to submit it online. 6 a.m. is just because of when I tie in all my online classes to be due, so I just, it's easier for me instead of trying to tell you one day on time and then one time, everything's the same. So you will have that option for any assignment, article review, etc. the articles, the homeworks, uh, anything that you can submit on, anything that you can submit, you can submit online. The only things you can't are the labs and the exams will have to, will be done in class. All right. Let's see, we're back to this. Questions, we're almost, just one more, and then we're about done with the syllabus, so I didn't do too bad. Okay. All right, the other is the rest of the lab, essentially. This is a semester-long lab, so it starts now, but it's not due until the end of the towards the end of the semester. I'm not sure. I'll give you an exact due date as we go. Did I just get, I think I got two there. I'm determined. One, two. One, two. There we go. Uh, this is a semester-long project. You can look through it. Don't be turned off by the math on the second page. There is some trigonometry there. We really don't need to know any trigonometry. It's involved in calculating the thing, but when it comes down to it, when we do this, I do it in class, and I'll show you what buttons you need to push. You don't need to understand what it is. It's just push these buttons, and it will give you the answer. So it does show that. I just don't want that to throw anybody off. There's not anything, uh, any significant math involved that we will not be doing in class. In fact, I have one class that is scheduled that is dedicated to this project and to doing all the calculations. So you can essentially do everything in here with me. So for those who are comfortable with math, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead. You're welcome to work on it. If you're not, don't, I don't want you to stress out that, oh, this is going to be horrible or it's a lot of math. It's really not going to be too bad. So I'm not going to read through all of this. Essentially, the project is to measure the shadow cast by the sun. And then we're going to study that at the end over the course of the semester. So what you need, and I ask you to get, I know the data sheet shows 20, I only ask you to get 10 for full credit. So I ask you to get 10 observations about every week, about once a week to every week and a half, a week to week and a half. All you need to do is take an object. I didn't bring, should have brought a ruler too, but take an object, put it out in the sunlight. Got to be sunny. If it's a cloudy, rainy day, wait for the next one. Because if you can't see a shadow, it doesn't do any good. And measure how tall your object is, measure how long the shadow is. That's it. That's all you got to do for right now. So the other thing is you've got to do it at about the right time. That's the one that can get a little, uh, little more tricky depending on your schedules. Right now it's about 1.15, plus or minus a half an hour. If you can find one or two days a week that you can do that, I know a lot of people might be in classes or have other things. The closer you can get to that, the better. If you start getting more than a half an hour away and you're turning them in, I'm going to be saying, you know, try to make them closer, try to make them closer. What will not help is making it at like, six o'clock in the afternoon, sun's gotten way too low, and you need the times to be consistent, and think every, if everybody here is from this area, part of Pennsylvania, we know what, this, how, what the sun will be like at six o'clock by the end of the semester, right? There won't be any. It's going to be dark. So as close to 1.15. If the best you can do is 2.15, fine. Make a note of it. Make a note of it. If you, I mean, and you only need to do it once a week. So if you can't do it during the week but can do it on the weekends, 
We'll just we'll hope for clear weather. Don't try not to put it off. It takes you a minute or two to do this. There's nothing involved right now other than having some object. Just make sure it's an object that can stand up by itself. So you don't want something that's you're trying to hold straight up because it's hard. You tilt it a little bit one way or a little bit other way, you skew the shadow. But a box, a can, something little. It doesn't have to be anything, anything big, anything little you can carry with you. Um, those measurements, how tall it is, you can measure them in inches or centimeters. Usually science people will yell at you to only use metric. I know sometimes the easiest thing you can carry is like a little measuring tape that might only have inches on it. That's fine. As long as you're consistent. As long as you're consistent on it, it works out just fine. For the data table on the back, if, if you're an Excel person or you like doing everything on the computer, you can make your own on the computer. That's perfectly fine. I'm not, you're not fixed to using this one. If you want to just use this one, that's perfectly fine as well. All you need to fill in for now during the semester is the first five columns. The date, what day are you observing? The time, as close to 1.15 as you can, preferably within a half an hour. Again, if you go a little bit before or a little after that, it'll work, but the further you get away, the worse your observations get. Um, the sky conditions, again, don't tell me rainy, thunderstorms, and then there was no shadow. If it's rainy, you can't make, you can't make the observation. You simply can't make the observation. that You've got to be able to see the shadow. And then how long your shadow was in inches or centimeters, and how tall your object was. The rest of this we'll do later in the semester. So it's explained in there. The, the instructions go through there. So if you're the math person, you want to go ahead and try it, you're welcome to go ahead. If you're not... I'll go, through, I'll go through examples, I'll go through details in here up here on the board explaining exactly what you push and, how, and how, you do the, how you do those. So the biggest thing is to get it started as soon as you can. So if you're not busy at 1.15 today, try to get an observation. If you've got something, maybe you need a day to get a ruler or whatever or something that you can, you know, flexible ruler or something that you can throw in a backpack to have with you. I mean, you'll see people doing them. They'll know you're in my class, right? Because I do this every semester. If you're out there measuring the height of something, that's what you're, what you're doing. But you only need to require, you can do it in a minute or two. So it doesn't require a lot of time, but you do need uh, to do that. And again, that's 10 over the semester. It's about every week to week and a half that I'm looking for. And don't stress it. It's also the actual observations. If you look at my grading sheet, which I actually give you at the beginning, the observations themselves are worth 30 points. During the semester, there's three times I ask you to turn in a copy of your data sheet for me to keep so that I can keep you on track so I don't come back in November and say, everybody, remember those observations you've been making all semester? And I get a lot of blank looks. So I ask you to turn in a copy of it, and I give you some credit for having done that. And it also makes me keep track that you're on track, that you're making observations, that they're coming out okay, that you're doing the right times. So it gives me a record of what you've been, what you've been doing. So that's worth like half the points. So when it comes down to the end, if you end up with eight points, you lose a couple points on the final project. It's not going to hurt you if you can't get all of these. In fact, if you can't get any, it hurts a little bit because it's like 30 points worth. But if you physically cannot get any of the observations, you can still do the remainder of the project. You might not get the data. I will give you observations later on so that you can actually compare to. What the idea is to compare mine to yours. But if you couldn't get any, you can still at least do the remainder of the project with mine. And I've had people who've had to do that. Just physically could not get any observations, lost their observations, etc. And we're not able to do it. We're still able to be, be successful, still able to do at least, some of, at least some of that. All right, so questions. Not seeing a bunch of terrified faces yet, so that's good. 
All right, well, then what I'm going to go ahead and do is go ahead and get started on chapter one since we lose a day next week. Since we will not be here Monday, I'm going to go ahead and start on chapter one. As I promised, I do have the slides for you. I know when I set them up, they stapled weird, uh, uh, strangely. So I think because of the way they were put together there, if you want to tear them apart or turn them around, that's fine. Yeah. By the end of the semester, I'll get it. So again, normally I don't do this, so if you want a physical copy to follow along with or take notes on, you can print them out. Uh, we'll finish chapter one and probably get started on chapter two on Wednesday, so if you want to be able to go ahead and start, you should be able to access, double check, make sure you're able to. I don't know, where was I? Let me make sure you can access them because if you want to print out two and three, we won't be into three till next week, but we will be into two. Lesson two. Nope, I did not, did I? You now have access to lesson two. So just in case I get started and if anybody wants to print them out, you do have access. You can go in there and print out the stuff from chapter two. If you ever find that you're looking for them, and you can't access them, just drop me an email. I don't like to make everything available at the beginning because it can get uh, overwhelming um, to put everything up there, but I try to put most of them. Try to put them up there as we get through the semester. So what I'm going to try to get through is the beginning, the first part of uh, chapter one. Let's see. Go to beginning. Hey, it works. All right. So I'm going to go ahead. We'll go ahead and get started with this. We've got a little less than half an hour, about a half an hour or so. Let's well, their clock's only about three minutes off this time. That's not too bad. Um, so the first chapter is really an introduction. I will go through kind of everything in astronomy really quick. So this is where you get your quick overview of the planets and everything else. But, I mean, astronomy, I like to say, and other scientists may you know, disagree with me or not think, but astronomy is the most general science you can take. It covers everything. I mean, even in terms of being a scientist, you can't be an astronomer without knowing something about biology, chemistry, physics, geology. But you can be a great chemist and know nothing about astronomy. So, you know, astronomy requires a little bit of everything. So we will talk about chemistry, we'll talk about physics, we'll talk about geology a little bit, um, biology, we get to astrobiology at the end. So you've got to know a little bit of everything. That doesn't mean that every astronomer is a great biologist. No, we have, we, we have a little bit of knowledge of it. We have to know something about biology, whereas I can have great biology colleagues who don't know anything about astronomy. It's not bad. They just simply do not need that to, to study their topic. They certainly could. But astronomy studies everything. So we have things like planets and moons, which we're not covering here. Anyone know? Recognize it? Mars? That is the planet Mars. The, other than the Earth, the best studied planet in the solar system. Had dozens of spacecraft that had visited Mars. Uh, we have one active rover now. Till last year, I could have said two. Now we're down to one because one of them, the one finally died. Um, but we actually have another one going next year. Another rover to go there. Probably the, other than Earth, ignoring Earth and maybe the, and our moon, best explore, explored object in the solar system most detail, most spacecraft that have gone to, to visit it. 
but we look at the planets. We look at moons of the planets. We're used to thinking of moon, you think about that thin crescent that you see in the morning sky right now. Um, but there's like 160, 170 moons out there in the solar system. Ours is one of them, and one of the larger ones. There's about seven real large ones, of which our moon is one. But there's a lot of them out there. That's the stuff we don't cover. So we're not really going to go over. We're not going to talk really much about Mars. We're not going to talk about the moons. We're not going to talk about things like comets. Much more than, you know, I'm trying to show them to you here. Comets are... Uh, essentially a ball of ice traveling through the solar system. Ice gets close to the sun, it heats up, the material evaporates and forms a big halo around it. Tails get pushed back. The actual comet itself is a tiny little dot at the center, much, much smaller than the tip of my laser pointer. About the size of a city, a few miles across. The whole thing here could be many millions of miles across. The whole halo around here could be much, much larger. So those are, some things, those, those are some things that we won't look at here. We will look at stars. Pictures of individual stars are boring. Not that stars themselves are boring, but star is just a star and it's a point of light. So there's a whole bunch of them here. I picked a picture of a star cluster to show you because if I just zoomed in on any individual star, it just looks like a dot of light except for a few really big stars that happen to be close to us, we can't see a star in detail, like we could see Mars, right? We could see, we can see details on Mars. We can see details on our sun, but we can't see details. Even with the most powerful telescopes we have, every star, even though there are many, many of them are much bigger than our sun, are so far away, they're just tiny dots. So it's amazing when we get to stars and start talking about stars in another month, month and a half or so, how much we can actually learn about them. So this is an example of a star cluster, so a grouping of stars there. You actually get to see a whole bunch of them, uh, you know, millions of stars together. We have galaxies. Galaxies are a relatively new concept uh, to us in astronomy. Not within our lifetimes, unless you're really, really old. Uh, but 100 years ago... It was a big debate as to what these things were. Just 100 years ago, 1919, we didn't know for sure. There were, there were two schools of astronomers. Some of them thought they were island universes, galax essentially galaxies as we think of them today, like our own Milky Way galaxy. And there was another school of thought that thought they were part of our own galaxy and much closer. It wasn't until the 1920s, mid-late 1920s, that we actually got measurements of them to determine their distances. So 100 years ago, I know it's a long time, but in terms of you know, history of astronomy and going back to things like Stonehenge and stuff that we'll talk about in, uh, in chapter two, these are relatively recent additions. They've been there, like the galaxy's always been there, we just didn't understand what it was even 100 years ago. So we'll talk more, more detail about galaxies later on. This is an example of a spiral galaxy might be able to see why it gets its name. It's got nice spiral arms going, going in and twisting around it. That's one type of galaxy. There are several others that we'll see as well. Spiral galaxies just always get pictured because they're the pretty ones. Some of them just look more like this. You know, a small dwarf galaxy would actually not look that different than this. So, not bad, but not, as, not quite as pretty as the majestic spiral arms coming around. Um, nebulae. Uh, nebulae come around. They are, there's a number of different types of them that we can see. 
And this is one. This is an example called the Crab Nebula. Ignore astronomers, you know, terminology. Sometimes things look like that, but I've, I've never been able to see a crab in that. I don't know, maybe you've got better imagination than me, or I don't know, you know how they came up with that. But, but the Crab Nebula is an example of a supernova remnant. So this is something we will talk about later on. This is a star that exploded. And it was seen to explode here on Earth almost 1,000 years ago, back in 1054. So if you were around back in 1054, and you looked off towards the constellation of Taurus, you would have seen this really bright object there really bright star that appeared for a few months. That was an exploding star, bright enough that it's visible during the day. That was at the center down in here, so down in the central portions. And then over that thousand years, the, outer, the, the layers have expanded out, so it was a massive explosion. What we're seeing a thousand years later is this material that has now spread off in, out into space. So we'll talk about this later on when we get to stars and the evolution of stars as they go through their lives. So very massive stars will do something like this, will explode at the end of their lives and give us a, give us a nebula for a short period of time. Black holes, you know, cool one everybody always likes to talk about. Mind-scratching one kind of always gets, hurts my head by the time we get done talking with black holes. Kind of like black holes in the Big Bang. Those are the ones that really hurt you by the end. Even just try, even not. I'm ignoring the math. Trying to get the math of a black hole, you know, forget it. But even just trying to understand the concepts because they're they're beyond anything in our normal sphere of existence. They're not stuff we're used to seeing. Okay, we're not used to seeing bright stars during the day, but we can think of explosions, right? Something exploding, something expanding outward. It's something that we can comprehend. To have a black hole. Something here that would be several times the mass of our own sun. So, nor the Earth. Earth is a little tiny, tiny dot compared to the sun, but take several suns, but compress them down to a point. Meaning that literally you're putting all the matter to the point where you can squeeze it between your fingers. Put your fingers as close together as you are. That's how small the matter has been compressed. Gravity can be that strong and can compress all that material down to essentially nothing. You lose all the information about it. We don't know what it was made up of. In fact, you only know, when it comes down to a black hole, you only know a couple things about it. You know its mass, how much material is there. You don't know what it is. It could be all made up of hydrogen. It could all be made up of iron. It could all be made up of peanut butter. It's all crushed out of existence. You've crushed all that information out. We don't know what it was before. You know the mass. You know if it's spinning. You can get a spin, and if it has an electrical charge, that's it. So even though black holes can be really complicated, in terms of being able to understand them, there's only a few variables you have to know about. Their mass, their spin, and their electrical charge, that's it. So they can be simple and complicated at the same time. And mainly because they get, things get so distorted when you get close to a black hole. So things don't behave the way we're used to them behaving. Clocks run differently when you get close to a strong gravity field. Um, if you actually get inside a black hole, space and time get twisted around so that you could travel through time, but not through space. You can't go in, travel through time, and come back out. But you could potentially, within a black hole, travel through time back and forth like we travel through space. But once you get inside the black hole, 
Now your space is confined to one direction. You can just approach the central uh, portion. That's it. So, again, we'll talk a little bit more about this when we come up, but astronomy covers all sorts of these things. So for us, we're going to ignore these for right now. If we have time at the end, I may come back and spend a day talking a little bit about the planets because there's a lot that we've explored over the last 50 and 60 years since we've had spacecraft going out there. But I want to focus on the stars, the galaxies, the nebulae, the black holes. And I didn't even get into things like talking about cosmology, the Big Bang, the history of the universe there as well. So why do we want to study astronomy? My science credit, right? It's usually about 90% of the students in the class. And that's fine. I don't mind. Glad you're taking astronomy, right? Astronomy is, uh, I, think, I think, very interesting, or I wouldn't be teaching it. Uh, but the whole idea of taking a science, you know, why do we make you take a science and an English class, and, and is that they all teach you things from a different perspective. And scientific uh, thinking is meant to teach you a thought process. And it applies all the time. I mean, it, how do you critically analyze information? Well, I'm going to ask you to make solar observations, and then we're going to study how did the shadow change. I can tell you in advance what's going to happen, right? The sun is really high in the sky in the summer, so it casts short shadows. So when you cast, measure your shadows right now, they should be relatively short. When you make an observation in November, you should get a big, long shadow, even though you're making it at the same time. Same time of day, but the shadow changed. And that's kind of an, that's why I like doing that, because it's gathering data, but then you get to do some analysis on it as well and figure out why that was happening. But it can apply to any times to everyday situations. You know, you have to think critically about anything. So if you're reading a news article, well, you want to think about that critically too. You know, what are the biases involved, right? You know, who's writing it? What is their background? And what biases do they bring to that? Well, you want to look at the same things in science. If somebody's writing something about science, then you want to look at anything critically. And constantly, and, and everything in science is constantly changing. What we know today isn't what we knew yesterday. Just said galaxy. We didn't know about galaxies 100 years ago. Oh, we saw them. We could see, but we didn't know what they were. You know, five years ago, we didn't know about, we, we knew Pluto was there, but we knew nothing about it. We knew it was there. I could map its orbit for you. I could tell you where it would be 100 years from now by tracing out its orbit, but I couldn't have told you the details about it. So really trying to apply this and get that way of thinking is the important part of science. And that's one of the reasons that, of course, you have to do a, have to, you're usually required to take some kind of science credit. And, of course, a broader understanding of our universe. It really puts things into perspective when you look at some of the, look at some of the images and put into perspective, you know, where does the little tiny Earth fit into all of this whole universe? You know, we're nothing. We're a little tiny speck orbiting a star, which we see as giant, but in terms of the galaxy, it's minuscule. And the galaxy, in terms of the universe, is minuscule. So it really makes us, you know, can make us feel really small sometimes. Because we're just this tiny little portion of this entire universe. So the thing I wanted to cover this time was look at the scientific method. And actually, the lab that I have you do next time has you make a few measurements with the ruler, measure a few things, and do some, a little bit on talking about the scientific method. So I'll go over this a little bit first. Um, but we have some different terminology that we use. You hear things like theories. 
models, hypotheses. Right? If you've done a science fair project at some point in the past, you had to come up with your hypothesis and then your procedures and all of that, all of that in terms of science. But a hypothesis is something that we propose to explain something, to explain why things happen. So the observation would be what we see. We observe over the course of the semester that the sh sun's shadow got longer and longer and longer. Take it in the spring, it'll do the other. It'll get shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, so here I did, we see the sun rise in the east every day. That's, that's the observation. That's not something that you generally is up for debate. There could be questions about how the measurements are made, but you, know, you watch over years, days, years, uh, centuries, the sun always rises in the east. And you can then say, why does it do that? And the sun must orbit the earth. Makes sense. I mean, it, it does make legitimate sense. And up until about 500 years ago, that was what we thought. Sun orbited the earth. Wasn't that people were stupid. We just didn't have the understanding yet. They were, not, they were not knowledgeable about how everything worked at the time. But it's a perfectly reasonable explanation, and it fits the observations. You can explain it as long as you can explain where the sun's going to rise every day. That works. So I said, you know, hypothesis or theory is something that must be testable. I put my one up there. The moon is made of green cheese. Perfectly reasonable scientific hypothesis because I can test it. Right? I can take, send a probe to the moon to bring a sample back and find out what it's made up of. And when you break your teeth trying to take a bite of it, then you, know, you're out, and you figure out, well, guess what? Either it's that or it's really stale green cheese. But it is something that you can test. There are some things you can't test. Right? Einstein is the greatest scientist. Was he? He was a great scientist. Is he the greatest? Are there others more modern ones? Stephen Hawking, more modern? Or maybe Isaac Newton, older ones? you know, that didn't have as much to build on, you know. So you can't really say anything about that. Or, you know, God created the universe. We know the Big Bang. We can't, I can't tell you what started the Big Bang, but it's not something that we can test. There's no scientific test that I can do. So it's not that it's wrong, necessarily. Some things you can test, that makes it a scientific, a possible scientific hypothesis. Some of them could be ridiculous, right? We, we know that's not true. But it is a perfectly reasonable thing because I can test it. Others, like Einstein or God creating the universe, are not something I can test. There's no scientific test that can be done to do those. So we have those. We have theories, we have models, we have hypotheses, and we look at this in terms of the scientific method. So the scientific method is a never-ending process. It's never done. So we know things. We've, we've known about gravity for, what, forever. When you drop something... Take a book and drop it. I won't do that because that's a heavy one. It'll make too, it still makes too much noise even from that far. Um, it'll fall. We've known that for a long time. Why does it fall is the good question. Right? Aristotle, thousands of years ago, told us that it fell because it was its natural place. The natural place for solid objects, rocks and things, was the ground. So if you put a, took a rock up in the air, you're taking it out of its natural place and it falls to the ground. You let go of it, it falls back to where it was supposed to. Air would rise because it's its natural place. So if you put some air below water, it bubbles up because it's trying to get back to its natural place. Makes sense. But we know it's not, that's not how things work. Then Isaac Newton gave us gravity and explained that it's a force between two objects. We'll actually cover that in chapter 3. It's wrong. 
Newton's wrong. But it works almost all the time, and it's a lot simpler than Einstein. So we use it. But he gives us an explanation as to why there's a force, and his then applies to new things. His applies to the moon moving around the earth. You know, why was the moon out there in the heavens? Well, that's something that's difficult to explain under the ancients. You know, why, if the moon is a rock, shouldn't it be down here with the earth? Why does it not? So that's something that doesn't necessarily tie in exactly. Um, so we use that, you use that, but it never ends. Now we have general relativity. We'll talk about that probably if I get to October. Um, general relativity is our current best model of gravity. I already said Newton was wrong. I'll go out on a limb and say Einstein's wrong too. Not that I'm better than Einstein, I just know how science works and it keeps changing. So someday, someone, a decade from now, a hundred century from now, will find something that fits what Einstein gave us and something new. Because general relativity doesn't work all the time. It breaks down in certain cases. So there must be something even more general. Sometimes you hear about grand unified theories, string theories. The whole idea behind those is to get something that goes beyond general relativity and explains not only what it explains, but more. So everything keeps building on it, and, but so it really never ends. There's never any ending. We're constantly looking and updating the explanations. So when you start it, you start with some kind of observation. You come up with a hypothesis to explain it. Again, it has to make something testable. So you've got to make some kind of testable prediction about it. And then you test. And you've got two choices. Either you're correct, that's great. Now make more predictions. Keep doing it. Push your theory more and more to find out what's good, to find out what's going to work. You're essentially looking for the limits. Or you're found to be incorrect. Oops, something's wrong. Doesn't mean you necessarily throw out the whole theory. Sometimes you, make sometimes you can make a little modification to it. You can say, okay, we've got a new observation, so I can change my theory. I can tweak the variables and make it work. And that's not wrong. There's, it's perfectly reasonable. And then you, but then you go back and make more provision. Neither of these are ending. And that's why I sometimes put it in this type of thing, because it brings across the idea that it doesn't end. So anything in science, you know, what I tell you about gravity now isn't what someone would be teaching 50 years from now and isn't the way things would have been taught 50 or 100 or 200 years ago. Things have changed, and we keep going around and around. But one of the things to think about in terms of theories, and one of the things I like to emphasize when we talk about a theory, is theories require a lot. For something to be considered a theory, sometimes you hear, you know, oh, it's just a theory that's, that doesn't have any meaning. A theory is something that has to have really been tested. We don't just call things a theory. Oh, it's some idea as to why things would happen and call it a theory. When you come up with the theory of general relativity, it's got a lot of testing behind it. It works. doesn't mean it's perfect. But it has a lot of testing. So in order for something to be a scientific theory, we know that it fits at least most of the data that we've observed so far. It really works well. It works under all kinds of conditions. So a theory is not just a guess. It's our best estimate right now. doesn't mean it won't change. Next month, we may find something new. You know, all you have to do to disprove a theory is find one thing it cannot explain. That's what happened with Newton. We talk about the or talk about orbits in a little bit, but Newton could not explain the orbit of Mercury. His theory of gravity didn't work. It was off by a fraction, a tiny fraction, but measurable. 
We knew it was wrong. We didn't know why or what else was going on, but Newton could not explain the orbit of Mercury. He could explain Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, but he couldn't explain Mercury. Turns out it was just too close to the sun, and his theory breaks down in a strong gravitational field. It doesn't work. So you're close to the strong gravity of the sun. Einstein could explain it just fine under general relativity. But if you try to mix general relativity and atoms, they don't mesh. So you can't use general relativity to explain gravity on the atomic scale. It doesn't work. So we know there's something beyond general relativity. And that's kind of why I like to put this. It's constantly a circle. It keeps going. So anything in science is really like that. So I'm going to finish up here, and then I'll pick up with the last part of Chapter 1 next time so we can go on Chapter 1 and get started on Chapter 2. But astronomy, just summarizing, we're going to look at a lot of different things. We're going to look at some history coming up, uh, some of the ancient astronomy. We're going to look at, over the course of the semester, stars and galaxies and nebulae and the universe, the whole universe itself. It's really a scientific way of thinking. And then I say, I have a lab that will work on the second half of class next time, which looks at a little bit about the scientific method and has you make a few uh, basic measurements to be able to do a little bit and go over a little bit of these. So I'm going to go ahead and stop you there and get done a little bit early today, but I don't, it's not worth trying to start on the next, next section there. Um, if you want the slides, print out Chapter 2. If you want to have them with you or if you want to be able to follow along with them, make sure you have access to those. Uh, let me know if there's any issues. Take a look through anything. If you have questions, uh, you're welcome to either ask me at the beginning of class next time, email me, whatever you have, and I'll be more than happy to answer questions. Otherwise, have a good day, and I will see you on Wednesday. I think I got everybody here. Oops, yeah, yeah, sorry. Wait, one sec, one sec. Let me just.